You can support what we do here at Unfound through Patreon, PayPal, or YouTube. Unfound has now featured 311 disappearances. So right about now, you may be asking yourself, how many of them have been resolved, solved, come to a conclusion? Well, today you find out as I detail the cases that are now closed and ones where lots of progress have been made. I'm Ed Denzel, and this is Unfound. Like the every four months update episodes, I'm not sure any other true crime production of any kind has ever done what I'm about to do today. I'm going to list how much success Unfound, the police, families, friends, and you, the public, you know, it takes a village, how much success all of us have had figuring out what happened in these mysteries that are featured every Friday on this podcast. Like the update episodes, I'm doing this because I think keeping all of you informed as to the reality of disappearances is the best way to get more people involved in the process. Likewise, when we understand the nature of something, that is how we can go about changing it and improving it. Unfortunately, you're going to hear that the percentage of unfound disappearances that have been resolved is not that high. Hey, if this were easy, everybody would be doing it. And I will give you my insight as to why the number isn't higher after I'm done going through the list. But like every other episode, please contemplate these three questions as you listen to me recount the unfound disappearances that have been somewhat resolved to this point of November 2023. Number one, why haven't there been more resolutions, in your opinion, over the past seven years? Number two, do you see any pattern as to why the following disappearances have been somewhat resolved to one point or another and all the others have not? And number three, Which resolution in the following list surprises you the most? Unfound news. I got another letter from Steve Pankey this past week. This would be letter number three. If you'd like to know the contents of it, and yes, Steve does allow me to tell all of you what he's writing about, please make sure to tune in to the next Unfound Live which will come out like it does every Monday at 9 p.m. Eastern on the YouTube channel. Next, for the upcoming episode of Found, which is available to Patreon and YouTube supporters, in fact, Found is what originally put it in my head to do this resolved episode, I'll be looking at the disappearance, then discovery of Agatha Christie. Yep, she was missing for a short time. Finally, this coming Wednesday, November 15th, I've been asked to speak to students at Largo High School right here in Pinellas County, Florida. 
I'll be talking about podcasting, how to become a podcaster, and giving them a quick tutorial about disappearances and how not to become a victim. Allow me to note a few things before I get into this list. First of all, this is done just like an update episode with me just using some notes. There is no script typed out with sentences, nouns, verbs, adjectives, etc. So if you hear some ums and errs and you knows, please be understanding. Also, this is actually a recording that I made for Patreon and YouTube supporters back in August of 2023, so approximately uh, three months ago. And I'm now releasing it to all of you because I thought you would find it interesting. Now, the idea for this came from a series that I've started. I started that back in March of uh, a series called Found, in which I look at fairly well-known disappearances that eventually did get resolved one way or the other. I started in March, and I started off with Brandon Lawson, then Elizabeth Smart, J.C. Dugard. The Titanic is even in there uh, somewhere in that list, and I will be uh, doing another episode this month. This is once again for Patreon and YouTube people, so you're missing all of this. If you're not supporting Unfounded, either of those locations, please, I'd love to see you there. But the idea got started there. I started thinking, well, maybe I need to do that for Unfound's own disappearances that we've covered because some of them, not many as you're going to hear, have been resolved. But it's enough of a list that I should talk about it. So this is essentially a disappearance to discovery of unfound disappearances, even though I would admit that there are at least a few disappearances that I'm going to be talk disappearances here that I'm going to be talking about in which remains have not been found yet, although people have been charged and are going to jail, etc. All right, so keep that in mind. And if you're thinking, well, Ed, didn't you just do this like a month ago with a special episode? Actually, that was for The Unfound Now Disappearances, the series that I run on YouTube. Once again, a monthly series, but everybody gets it on um, YouTube where I look at very, very recent disappearances. Well, a lot of those have been resolved since I started covering them back in the summer of 2020. That's what you heard about a month ago, maybe six weeks ago. The list today is for... All of the disappearances uh, that have been somewhat resolved for the podcast on this feed that comes out every Friday. So I just wanted to explain all of that to you before I started on this list. One more note. I do this according to the unfound timeline. So I go back to the beginning, September of 2016 started, and I started looking at those oldest episodes, those oldest episodes, which ones have been resolved, and I work my way the whole way up to uh, very recently, just like the update episodes. The only difference in this is that since I did the recording back in August, there has been one more unfound disappearance that has been resolved, and that is actually put at the end of this list, so that is technically out of the timeline, but all the others 
They go right from 2016 up into the present. First one on the resolved list, which has been fully resolved, is Andrea Bowman. Many, if not all of you, are familiar with her murder now. She went missing in 1989, and for a long time it was believed that her stepfather or her adopted father, uh, Dennis Bowman, had killed her for some reason. And that ended up uh, being proven within the last few years where Andrea's remains were found buried on the Bowman property in Michigan. And it was all due to kind of – had Dennis Bowman not killed a woman in Virginia in 1980, this probably – this disappearance would probably still be uh, unresolved. But because through DNA they were able to prove that he had killed this woman for whatever reason in 1980, they um, put all the DNA together. And once they had that with the warrants, they could get warrants and search – and subpoenas and all those things, they got to go onto the Bowman property, dug up a certain spot, found Andrea. And to remind all of you, uh, Kathy Turkanian, who is Andrea's uh, biological mother, who was the guest way back in 2016, um, she believed since the beginning that she found – when she found out that her biological daughter was missing around 2011, that she believed that Andrea was buried in the backyard of the Bowman house, and she was exactly right. And I give her all the credit in the world. It's just crazy how accurate she was. Uh, Dennis Bowman's wife still not been charged with anything regarding Andrea's murder. So that's the first one. And by the way, I'm just going to be going chronologically according to Unfound's history. So I'm starting with episodes from 2016 and then moving right up to the present. So let's go to the next one. Christopher Hyde. Unfortunately, this may be one of kind of the more obscure episodes, very early in Unfound's existence, late 2016. Not a lot of facts uh, to go along with this disappearance. And his sister, who was the guest, didn't know uh, a lot. She was in Texas. Christopher's with their father here in Florida. Father told a story about how Christopher just wandered off. Well, as it turned out, Christopher went missing 2003, 2004. And his remains were found, was it underneath a... Uh, an overpass or something right here in the Tampa area where I live actually in 2005. And it took until about 2019 before those remains through DNA were identified as being Christopher Hyde's. How he died, what happened, how how did he go from Orlando where he was allegedly last seen to Tampa. You might also remember that there was a sighting of him down in Sarasota. Not sure what to make of that. But uh, Christopher had some lear- had a learning disability. Was he uh, – did he have autism? A lot of things I think were going on with this young man. I happen to believe he, he, he was just homeless and died in the elements of Florida. But if he was murdered – I just don't think that we will ever, ever, ever know. 
and uh, the father died not being able to give any more information than he'd already given regarding Christopher. But like I said, uh, Tampa police were in the cust had remained cust- uh, Christopher's remains in their custody since 2005. And so it was almost 15 years before they were identified. And surely when his sister came on um, as the guest, she had no idea that Tampa police uh, had Christopher's remains at all. So that one I consider to be resolved. I realize there are still some questions, but I'm pretty secure in the fact that Christopher was uh, homeless for some reason and died that way, not being able to provide for himself. Uh, very sad. Next, resolved disappearance covered by unfound, and this is one that still really, really, really irks me. Teresa Butler, you might remember that she was home with her two kids, her inside of Missouri, and her uh, husband worked a night shift. And when he came home the next morning, uh, she was gone, but the kids were still there unharmed. But there had been things that were stolen from the house, and the the radio had been stolen out of her Jeep. And it was her friend, uh, Teresa's friend, who was the guest back in 2017. It's a disappearance that I had known about for years and years and years for some reason – And uh, finally uh, got to feature it very early on in Unfound's existence. A lot of suspicions regarding uh, the husband. Did he really go to work that night? Are we sure he didn't come home and make it look like a a robbery, a break-in, and then kill kill Teresa? A lot of that was going on for many years. And very sadly, he, Teresa's husband, the father of their children... Uh, committed suicide. Twenty twenty, somewhere like that. But right around that same time, uh, a man was uh, charged and he pled guilty to killing Teresa. His story, which I don't believe at all, is that he and another person went over there. They were getting high with with Teresa, and that she overdosed, and. They were worried about getting in trouble for all this. So they took her body, and this guy said that he had, and of course, he had a reputation in the area as being a bad guy. He put her in a house that he had, like in a crawl space, because he didn't know what else to do with her body, left it there for a, a period of time, like months, if not a year or over, then came back took her body out of it, cut it all up, and dumped the little pieces out into a ditch along a road not far from where Teresa lived. That's his story. And on the strength of that, he was uh, given a deal. He went to jail for a while. And would you believe, I think, that he is now out of jail in 2023. Now, of course, I don't... uh, You know, what you might recognize in that story is... There's no explanation of why he felt the need to steal the Jeep or the radio out of the Jeep, or I think it was a bunch of electronic equipment like video game consoles and things out of the house. No explanation regarding that. Just this story about 
Teresa overdosing. Meanwhile, nobody who knew Teresa believed that she was involved in any sort of drugs or anything at all and didn't even, didn't even know this guy. It's, uh, it's one of the travesties, one of the huge travesties of justice uh, that, uh, that Unfound has been connected to. It's disgusting. Uh, I happen to believe that what happened was they m- knew that Teresa and her kids were home alone at night because the husband worked at night. They went over to rip stuff off. She caught them. They killed her, took her body, and that was that. So, um, but it, it's resolved. There's just nothing, nothing you can do now. And meanwhile, they went to that spot where he said that he put her cut up, diced up remains, found nothing. Of course. Teresa Butler, a uh, very sad. But I think also we have to remember this is one of those situations where the husband didn't do it, even though he had all the reasons in the world to think that he most likely did. So if there's nothing else, if this isn't going to get resolved some other way, um, maybe we can learn something from this. Next disappearance that's been resolved, Esther Westenbarger. And as I continue to say every time I bring up uh, Esther's uh, the resolution to Esther's disappearance, and it's one I reference often, uh, even, for example, with the um, presentations I do to college students, that this is one I got horribly wrong. And but in retrospect, had she not been found and and had we covered her disappearance, let's say in 2020 or 2021 or more recently, I'm sure that I would have gotten it right in my prediction of what of what happened. She went missing with her vehicle and a lot of people, including her daughter, who was the guest and myself, believed that there was some sort of foul play. Because it was only a, a, a mile and a half from where she was last seen to drive home. But she and her Cadillac went missing. Thinking that her brother, who was a horrible guy, uh, did something to her. And then diced up the car, sold the car, parted out the car or something. Because Esther, just kind of, she had just retired. She had just come into money. Was this? Did this have something to do with it? But then by accident... When was it? 2019? Something like that. Uh, A local retention pond was cleared out. It always had this algae on top. Homeowners Association decided to do something about that. They got some chemicals, cleared up the water. Some kids went out there. Now that they could see down into the water, they want to go out there and do a little fishing. I guess there were fish in this thing. And what do you know? They looked down into the water. They saw something shiny. And it was Esther's car. And Esther was in it, and we now know, although we can't be sure, but it's a choice of was she drinking and driving, was she going too fast, did she have a heart attack, did she fall asleep at the wheel. It's one of those that she was going down the wrong road. She was one block west of where she should have been to go to her house, and she blew right through a T intersection, so she was coming up to the T where she had to make a left or right she just blew the stop sign, went through the grass, right into this retention pond, and drowned. And I still insist, had we covered this disappearance, she not been found in 2019, and, but, and had we 
had I uh, interviewed her daughter in 2021, I'm pretty sure that I would have looked at a map and said, I bet she's right here. I've learned so much since 2017. It's crazy. And maybe some of you would have done the same thing, hopefully. But that's how that one got resolved. No foul play. She had her seatbelt on. The car was in drive. The ignition was on. She just drove right into the water and drowned. Just like very recently, a disappearance that I wanted to cover but didn't get to Robert Helfrey. Same thing. He was missing for years and years and years. What was it, six months ago or something, they found him in his vehicle in a, not a retention pond, but kind of like a manufactured lake in a in a housing area with a fountain. You know, just put it there for the looks, something like that. He drove into one of those, probably drinking and driving, going too fast or something. So Esther Westenbarger, another resolution. Next resolution, this is another one that I got horribly wrong. Hey, I can admit it. That's the only way you can uh, move forward in your life by admitting mistakes and realizing that you didn't know as much as you thought you did, etc. Crystal Morrison. You remember that she was at work. She she, uh, was a a mother, and she had a... Formerly a drug problem, but we might be open to the idea that maybe she had relapsed at the time of her disappearance. Maybe now in retrospect. But she went to work. She got dropped off. And at noontime, she she said she wasn't feeling very good. And she called to to get picked up. And she called this older couple who babysat her son. Well, he wasn't a baby. I think it was like eight or nine years old or something. But... Uh, called them, you know, come pick me up. I'm not feeling very good. And so this guy with Crystal's son showed up about 20 minutes later. She wasn't there. Never to be seen again. Later, uh, none of the other employees could say, I don't know. Did she get in a car? Did she walk off? Nobody seemed to know anything. And there was even some construction that was going on happening on that street that day really don't know doesn't sound to me like any of the construction workers were any help but what they did find was down the street there was a shell station maybe a half mile down the road and not long after she had made this call to get picked up here she was down at this shell station getting and they had her on video she's by herself doesn't look like she's any in any distress or anything but that was officially Last sighting of her. I, at the time, put out the idea, if she relapsed, did she also maybe call this guy who used to provide her with drugs? Did he meet her? And Did she overdose? Did he snatch her? Did he abduct her? I put a lot of those vibes out there, admittedly. And what ended up happening, what, about 10 years later? This is another, it seems Crystal's and Esther's disappearances got resolved very close to each other. I'm thinking around 2019 before COVID started, but after my mother died, somewhere in that late 2018 to early 2020 timeframe. And she was found because they were going to be doing some work, widening a road or digging somewhere. And and these uh, city engineers or something had eminent domain. They got to go on this piece of private property. And what do you know? 
they found Crystal's remains about a mile from where she was last seen on video at the Shell station. Very badly decomposed remains, as you can imagine, after 10 years out in the elements. Impossible to tell why she died. But it seems to me, my perception is Crystal's family is very um, secure in the idea that it was not foul play. And I'm inclined to agree with them what I think I know now about these types of disappearances. Now, why did she make that call knowing the guy would be there 20 minutes later, but she chose to walk down to the Shell station knowing that there was no way to walk down to the Shell station and back in 20 minutes? We'll never know. Did she get a ride down there? Did she get dropped off? Was she looking to get a ride back? I don't, nobody knows. But uh, I don't think anybody should be surprised. She was out there uh, because of her prior addiction. Her body uh, was not as healthy as maybe your average woman of her age, Jage's body, that she was already sick. It was like 100 degrees in Concord, North Carolina today. I think she just died of heat exhaustion, sunstroke, whatever you want to call it, Um, dehydration, even though she was getting something to drink at the Shell station. I'm pretty sure that is what happened. So that is the resolution to the disappearance of Crystal Morrison. And you should know this regionally, this is a big deal because it was so strange. She's at work. Somebody goes to pick her up, and she's not there. But we now know in Unfound history, we have a lot of like that, a lot of some disappearances like that. People call to get picked up. The people show up. The people aren't there. Deborah Bowman, Kevin Newen, to just name a couple others. This is a thing. Next resolution somewhat. This is surely far from resolved, but Chris Turner. In Las Vegas. Remember he was dating a woman. Kind of a turbulent relationship. And was she cheating on Chris? Uh, This young woman uh, does not sound like the greatest of people. We also have to remember this is a fairly new disappearance. uh, and, And still in the unfound catalog. Still. Even seven years later it's still fairly new. I think he went missing in 20... 16, and I think we covered his disappearance in 2018, I think. And, or maybe 2017, 2018. The the years start to run together after a while. But I think maybe I just covered this, maybe just a year after he went missing. Anyway, he was in Las Vegas, and there was the sighting of him or a, a witness saying that Something was going on between Chris and his girlfriend, and he was looking for her in an apartment complex, and she wasn't in there, uh, in their apartment, and he thought that he was, she was somewhere at somebody else's apartment. She was going on knocking door to door. This is the last time anybody ever saw Chris. And uh, his mother was the guest. She fully believed that the ex-girlfriend and other or the, the girlfriend and others had something to do with Chris's disappearance. It also didn't help that shortly after Chris disappeared that the girlfriend and her mother told police, "Oh yeah, Chris is fine. We just saw him the other day." And because of that, Las Vegas Metro closed the case 
And then Chris's mother had to fight, 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 fight for a couple years at least to get it back opened. Telling them, you know, these people had all the reasons in the world to lie. And I, I would say that if you were to listen to that episode, that episode or if you have listened to that episode, you get the idea that Chris probably met with foul play, kind of like reading between the lines. Well, his remains actually were found even before I think that episode came out in 2017 or 2018. I'm not thinking it's more like 2017. His remains were found sometime in 2017, although they were not identified. And they were found, if you were to look at a map, uh, if you go to the Las Vegas map and you look at Charleston Boulevard, which runs east and west in Las Vegas, if you go to the very, very eastern edge ending of Charleston Boulevard, and I know this area well because my buddy Brad kind of lived down in that area. Um, he now lives back in Pennsylvania, but at the time he owned a house, he and his wife owned a house down that direction. So I know that area a little bit having lived there, but it was found down there, kind of what they call near Sunrise Mountain. Well, that's like eight miles from where Chris and his girlfriend were living. The remains were found by accident. I do not believe that they were buried. Doesn't sound like it. It sounded to me, though, like there was like a class or something that was out there doing something in that... I don't know, some geology class? I don't know. But that's how his remains were found. And they were finally identified. They were they took the DNA and then they buried these unidentified remains. And then it happened in 2020, 2021 through uh, NamUs and DNA. They were able to connect his family's DNA with these remains. And it's only within this past year, I think, that Dawn has been able to get those remains, take them back up to Reno where she lives, and give Chris a, a, a proper burial. The question is, was he murdered? <sighs> Just hard to say. I, I, You know, it's one of those you can certainly lean toward the foul play uh, direction. He's banging doors. Was his girlfriend cheating on him? Did he go back to his apartment? The other guy was there. Something happened. They kill him, and then they go dump his body out in the desert. Makes all the sense in the world. We know it's Las Vegas. A lot of that has gone on over the past 70 years in Las Vegas. Mob-related and not mob-related. On the other hand, uh, my perception of Chris Turner is that he had a lot going on. Um, besides having a girlfriend who doesn't sound that nice, I think there's a, might be a reason to, that he was questioning his sexuality, had money issues going on, maybe some drug issues going on, on and on. You know, a lot of other things going on besides just being in this relationship with a young woman who does not sound very nice. But just because the young woman doesn't sound very nice doesn't mean she had anything to do with his disappearance. What's going to be hard to square is, how did Chris end up eight miles away from where he was last seen? Don't know. Don't know. Uh, this is one of those where and, – and certainly his mother continues to believe, Don, although I've not spoken to her recently. She continues to believe that 
Chris was murdered. I completely understand why she thinks that. I just don't know if we'll ever, ever, ever uh, be able to be sure. We'll never be able to be sure. In contrast to like Crystal Morrison where her remains are found, but it's a, certainly a different situation. What was going on in Crystal's life compared to what was going on in Chris's life. It's just how these things – you have to look at the people. Don't look at the circumstances because Chris's and Crystal's circumstances are very similar. But then when you start looking at the people, it's maybe where you can start maybe coming to some more firm conclusions or maybe come to less firm conclusions. Depends, I guess. So Chris Turner remains found back in his family's possession, but we may never know what really happened to him. Next one, this is uh, probably uh, one of the most well-known disappearances that Unfound is covered, and that would be Laura Bible and Ashley Freeman. Yes, their remains have not been found, but we do know that one guy did go to jail for having something to do with the murders of Ashley's parents and for the disappearances of Laura and Ashley. And this guy's been asked repeatedly over and over what happened to Lauren Ashley. He says he doesn't know. In fact, he was even uh, given a deal if within a certain amount of time he would say where the remains were, that he would get less time on his sentence or something. And he still said he didn't know. Unfortunately, the two other guys that were involved in all of this and to go through the circumstances – uh, Laura was over at the Freeman trailer uh, house with um, Ashley and her parents. It seems Mr. Freeman was involved in some drug activity, and these three guys over there went, went over there to collect on a debt or something went wrong. And uh, Ashley's father was shot to death. Her mother was shot to death. The remains were found in in the trailer afterwards because then these guys lit the trailer on fire. It burned to the ground, and uh, Mrs. Freeman was found first, and then it took Laura's mother and father to go over there. And as they were sifting through the remains, somehow the, the investigators and firefighters had missed the fact that Mr. Freeman's remains were in the in the ashes as well. It's just a really bizarre story, but that's how it happened. And it was only at that time they realized that these two girls were missing on their own. They weren't missing with Mr. Freeman. They were missing on their own. And then there was a story, did they start this fire and run off, which of course is crazy. And then finally they were able like over what long time later, what 20 years, almost 20 years later, Due to the original investigators overlooking an insurance card that was found for a car that was found at the entrance to the driveway to the Freeman's place of a woman who actually was dating one of these guys at the time. It seems they took her car to this and somehow in getting back into the car, taking Ashley and Laura with them, somehow this piece, the little piece of paperwork fell out. And it just sat in a cardboard box for many, many, many years, and then somebody new took a look at all of it and was able to put it all together. Whereas really, they should have been able to resolve all of this in a few days. 
And over the years, a lot of searches and down in a lot of like wells and pits and mines and things in Oklahoma, uh, nothing. And what's also clear, though, is a lot of people other than these three men knew uh, what happened. They had women in their lives who were afraid to say anything. We now know all of that. And two of the men have died since this all happened, so that's why only one has had to answer for any of this. But uh, kind of resolved, obviously not close to being resolved at all, Lauren Ashley, but I got to tell you, the odds of finding them now very, 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 very low. We must be open to the idea that maybe their remains were, I don't know, cut up or something to the point that you wouldn't be able to recognize them out in a field anyway or or anywhere. Even if you did go down and where they dumped their remains uh, in some well or something, might not even be able to tell that it's human remains. Very sad. Very sad. Uh, And, uh, and of course, uh, certainly uh, if Laura had not been there, she would probably be alive today. Ashley, that's where she lived probably. That was going to happen to her anyway given what – her parents were involved in, but certainly Laura, uh, if she had not been staying over at the Freeman house that night, she'd probably still be here today. Very sad. Next one, Zoe Campos. Uh, we now know that she was murdered. She was murdered by Carlos Rodriguez. Her remains ended up being found in November of 2018. And it took a long, 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 long time for Carlos to be Carlos to be brought to trial, and uh, he finally took a plea. I think it was second degree murder. This all happened because Carlos had, Carlos had gotten in trouble for harming another woman, although she was not murdered. And then, in the course of talking, police talking to him about that, kind of spilled his guts on the whole thing, and. Zoe's remains were found in the Rodriguez backyard, and uh, to rem- to remind you all of this, maybe um, Zoe had met Carlos on a Sunday in 2013 at a at a party of some type, and they made arrangements to get together later. And Zoe was living with her sister and her mother, and once they went to bed, she went back out. She went over to Carlos's place, and the belief is that he was living with his parents, but I don't know where his parents were that night. But something happened, and Zoe's car was missing for a while as well. Carlos told, uh, once they figured out that she had gone over there, he said, you know, I don't know. She was here. She said she was going to go out to get weed and never came back. And unfortunately, there was a... An alleged sighting of Zoe at a local motel, kind of a shady motel, that kind of led credence to what Carlos had said. Uh, But, of course, we now know that that's not what was really going on. And you might also remember that they were out – people were looking around for Zoe's car – and her aunt saw it, started following it, but the person driving the car got away, kind of ditched the car in an apartment complex, ran off. Well, we now know that that person was Carlos Rodriguez. This was just a few days after Zoe went missing. So it went five years, and then Carlos got in trouble with this other woman, and this is how this all came to be. But we now know that the police completely missed her remains in Carlos's backyard when they 
went over, were looking around. He allowed them to look around, even without a warrant. They went into the backyard, and somehow it never seemed strange to them. There was there was new, uh, freshly poured concrete back there. Uh, there's, I still have no answer for that, and I don't think that Zoe's mother does either. I, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if we will ever get a proper explanation. I, we were hoping to get one in the trial, but a trial didn't happen. So Carlos Rodriguez, my guess is that when Zoe went over there, he wanted to have sex with her. She didn't want to do that. They get into a fight. He strangles her, her, kills her, buries her in the backyard. I think that's the way this all went down. Uh, as we know, very common scenario, very sad. It just shows you uh, that uh, you know she met him the very that day just by accident, and 12 hours later, he's killing her. Crazy and very sad. Next resolution, although surely not a 100% resolution, that would be Tom Brown. Tom Brown, uh, president of his class, football player, seemed to be thought of very well by everybody. He was out with some friends, and they dropped him off at his car in downtown Canadian, Texas. Uh, he was driving uh, a Dodge Durango. Uh, he was a senior, and this would have been uh, the night before Thanksgiving of 2016. And he never made it home. He got dropped off. He was supposed to be home. What was it by? Was it by 11 o'clock or by midnight? But he didn't make it there. And uh, a lot of people are suspicious about what happens after this. I'm not one of those, but some people think the timeline doesn't make sense. And did his family really do what they said they did? But when he didn't wasn't home by the proper time, by the curfew time, his mother starts calling him. His brother starts trying to call him. There are no answers. They go out driving around looking for him, can't find him. And then the next morning, once it became daylight, one of the um, kids, I call them kids, but uh, the girl that was with Tom the night before, family owned a helicopter business. And she and her father went up in a helicopter flying around Canadian, happened to notice the Durango parked on the outskirts of town on a dirt road. They go down there. Of course, Tom's not there. Um, there's, but there's a bullet casing in there. There may be some blood in the vehicle. And uh, this all happened, of course, very quickly. It's all going on on Thanksgiving of 2016. And then uh, eventually when Unfound covered the disappearance in the summer of 2018, and then in late January, early February of 2019, Tom's remains or part of his remains are found 12 miles away from the Durango. And they are found by a guy, who, <laughs> Pine Gregory, who was a deputy at the time uh, of Tom's disappearance, who had a surly reputation. It was eventually fired from the sheriff's office for writing fake tickets, making things up. Uh, and maybe some of you know I've had an opportunity to talk to Pine twice, but he will not talk to me anymore. And I want to thank my assistant, Cherie, <clears throat> for even making that happen. I, that was a, it was not easy to do, but she did, and I really appreciate that. But uh, things, I guess, as of August of 2023 have all 
everything's kind of died down, dare I say. But we now know that Phil Klein got involved, private investigator. And now he and Penny are suing a bunch of people for defamation. Been all sorts of crazy stories. Was Tom murdered? All um, stories about his private life. It's It's been a mess. And... Um, but his remains were found, only 30% of them. And what catches everybody's attention, of course, it's 12 miles away. Did he walk that? Did somebody put his remains there? And what are the odds that Pine Gregory, of all people, found them? And I've, I talked to him about it. And found them by accident while he was out doing kind of... um. Some uh, work, uh, some kind of scouting around before hunting season start or s- started or something. But um, this is another one of those, despite what Phil Klein and a bunch of other people say about what they believe happened to Tom, that he was murdered because of some gambling debt or or that he went home and actually committed suicide. And his family covered it up, and they're doing just have done all of this just for their own attention and everything. Uh, what I see is a young man going back. I always look at the person, and what I see is a young man who, although on the outside was doing okay, certainly inside was not. Whether he was questioning his sexuality or had some weird fetishes or whatever else, uh, broke up with his girlfriend, quit the football team. You know, uh, and he's a teenager. So how did he kill himself? It's just I happen to believe that he hung himself somewhere. That he went out there, he hung himself somewhere that night, and then animals came along and started dissecting him. That's what animals do, and that's how part of his remains were found where they were. And I still believe that his bones are. Out there somewhere, and dare I say, I happen to believe they're much closer to the Durango. That's my idea. I'm not inclined to believe on a drug angle. There was nothing salacious seemingly found in in his Durango, and nobody's ever said that he uh, he was on heroin or anything that any drug that could kill you or anything. Um, I think this was a suicide by hanging, and we have to remember that could still be out there in the in the bushes somewhere that just nobody has seen yet. And yes, people do go out in the woods and hang themselves. That is a thing. That does happen. So Tom Brown, everybody has their ideas. I don't know if we'll ever be one hundred percent sure. This is going to be one of those ones where I think it's always going to be 75% resolved. Remains have been found. The car was found. We have a lot of information, but no cause of death. Next resolution, Alyssa attorney, if you can call it one. We just had the trial here in... July of 2023, and it did not go in the direction that I, that the attorneys wanted. Well, Michael Turney certainly wanted to go that way, but I don't think any other attorney out there or Alyssa's family wanted it to go that way. Uh, you probably know by now, uh, Alyssa was at school. Her stepfather, Michael Turney, came to pick her up. 
like she was there a half day for some reason. And his story is they went somewhere to eat. They went home. He left to go do something. When he came back, she was gone, never to be seen again. I don't think anybody believes that story. The problem is there are no facts to contradict it. And uh, conveniently, uh, Michael Turney being the weirdo that he was, he had video cameras all around the outside and inside of his house. And somehow that video just wasn't working that day. Imagine that. But finally, uh, if you can put it that way, and we have to realize that Alyssa didn't just disappear within the last few years. It's a disappearance that's, what, 20 years old or something like that. Um, prosecution finally decided to charge him, and it was a long time coming from, for him to be charged and then get to a trial. But the trial went so poorly that the defense didn't even have to put on its case. As soon as the prosecution was done... The uh, defense asked for an acquittal because the prosecution provided no facts that Michael did anything, and the judge granted that acquittal. So Michael Turney cannot be charged, I guess, criminally ever again for Alyssa's disappearance. Uh, I hate this one of those situations where I hate when I'm right, but I was right on this. I, 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 although I'm not an expert on the disappearance – and Alyssa's sister was the guest, and I thought she did a fantastic job, and she had her own podcast about Alyssa's disappearance. She did a great job with that. But I, I could give you at least 25 other disappearances that Unfound has covered where it's much clearer what happened. And guess what? Those disappearances aren't being brought to trial. So when I think of it in those terms, I start thinking, well, this prosecution of Michael Turney seems pretty shaky. And that's exactly what it ended up being. Will we ever know what happened to Alyssa Turney? Well, if we're, most of us are to believe that Michael did something to her, the problem is that we have to think that this was planned. And that he had uh, – and knowing him, that makes all the sense in the world given that he was a control freak and everything else. And he had this manifesto and everybody's after him. makes all the sense in the world that he had planned this for a while. So this is not a situation where it's spur of the moment. Something happens at home and he has to scramble to try to figure out how to get rid of Alyssa. And then thus is, because he has to do it so fast, he's going to make mistakes. You plan something like this out, you're more likely to get away with it. And Michael Turney was out of communication for uh, a couple days. She could be anywhere within several hours' drive of where the Turneys lived. So, um, just anything. Just, I just, it's very sad. This is one of those. Um, let's just put it this way: having covered over three hundred disappearances now. If I live – my dad's 86. Let's get – say I get to live to be 86. That's 33 more years. I realize that there's, there are many disappearances that we've covered on and found that will not be resolved within the next 33 years. And dare I say it, Alyssa's kind of gives me that feeling. It's horrible to think about that topic like that, that I'm going to be on this earth. Let's hope 33 more years, maybe not. Or maybe even more, but to know that right here in 2023, I can make a prediction a lot of these disappearances are not going to be resolved while my heart's still beating. 
And given that this trial fell through, I think it even makes it more likely that Alyssa's may be one of those. I'm not trying to be negative, but that's what my experience tells me. Next resolution, and I think this might have been the first disappearance that Unfound covered that got resolved after the the episode had come out. And that is Devin Bond. And a young man, um, was he 15, 16 years old, living at home with his parents, seemed to have a pretty good home life. His mother was the guest. This is out of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. And the family went to bed one night, got up the next morning. Devin was gone. And not only was he gone, but a gun from the house was also missing. And a check of the area, there was a, there was a school a couple blocks away, maybe a mile away or maybe f- farther than that. Had video, looked like somebody walking along the street, very grainy. It was still night, thinking, was this Devin? Was he walking out to the major highway? Was he going to get on a bus and go somewhere? Something like that. They did some searches for him, could not find him. One of the big issues that had gone on in Devin's life before that he before he went missing that he liked this particular girl, and for some reason, her family determined that she couldn't see him anymore, and I think this uh, adversely affected Devin. And although he was eventually found, I don't have it written in my notes what year this happened. Was it? I'm thinking it was before COVID started, so maybe 2019. A lot of resolutions that you're talking about here, 2019. That they um, ended up finding him really not that far from where he lived. He kind of went in a a predictable direction, but he ended up in these woods not far from his house, and the gun was there, and he had committed suicide. Very sad. Very sad. So, uh, and you should know uh, that I've never spoken to Devin's mother since his remains were found. So I don't know any more details than that. When it comes to uh, the the stories that were public, that's what I know. I don't have any behind-the-scenes knowledge of any of this. So, um, very sad, but I do not think this was... A surprising resolution. Next resolution, Austin Pivo. What makes this uh, resolution a little uh, unique is that I don't think anybody was necessarily surprised that Austin ended up being murdered. If you listen to the episode with his mother, that kind of was front and center, although... Usually it's just something you have to see between the lines a lot of times when I do interviews. But I don't know if we could have predicted that this is the way it happened. And Austin, something was – it just seems to me that different people had it out for Austin for whatever reason. To go back – You might remember that the night, at least the story that his mother told, was the night before he went missing. He went to some gathering 
there where he lived uh, with his family there in Idaho, went to some get-together, and somebody ended up pulling a knife on him after this. And the thinking, of course, but he didn't disappear then. He ended up making it home, and the next morning his mother drove him to this job that he had, and then he went missing. And we're thinking, well, could it be that he went out to do something after he got out uh, off of work and this guy with the knife finally tracked him down. And now we know that guy had nothing to do with his disappearance at all. What ended up happening, what, what the facts are is that Austin showed up for this job at the boss's house. He went inside and there was a trial the three guys who were charged with Austin's murder claim of self-defense, that didn't fly. They all ended up going to jail for murder, manslaughter, combination of a lot of different charges put together. As you know, that's how it works. So we really still don't know what happened inside that house. But three guys went to jail they were charged. Austin's remains were found, I think, on the outskirts of town, not close to where this all happened, but miles away. Something happened. He went in there. They started an argument, and these guys killed him. Could have been drugs involved, something like that. But I don't know that when... Unfound covered his disappearance that was very obvious that something happened uh, inside that house. Because the story was that they got there and the, the, the guy that was running this business, was it a landscaping business or something like that, decided, you know what, we're just not going to do anything today. And so the story was that they just all left and Austin left never to be seen again. And I think a lot of people believed that. And there might have even been a sighting of him walking somewhere in town. And we now know that none of that was – well, certainly we now know none of that was true. That it seems that not long after he got dropped off and went through the door of that place that this fight happened. And he was dead within a half hour of getting dropped off. And maybe that's why they decided to not go out and do any work that day. But his remains were found. There was a trial. These guys are now answering for what they did to Austin. The problem is we really don't get to hear Austin's side of the story. We have theirs that he lost his mind and they had to kill him. But they could not show that. Remember when you – if you're in a self-defense situation that – you can only use the force that is equal to the force that's being brought upon you. If uh, you know if somebody's just yelling at you, you can't shoot that person. <laughs> um, even if somebody pushes you, you can't shoot that person. You may be able to, you know, pepper spray or something that person. You can't shoot that person. Now, if somebody comes up with you in a knife because knives can kill, yeah, then you can shoot that person. But they're trying to claim self-defense, and it was never proven that Austin had any weapon at all. They just up and out killed him, I think, by with a knife.
So that one is resolved very sad. Uh, another is very sad, just inexplicable happening at, seemingly at a moment's notice. And I never got the feeling that this was something that was planned. It does seem like this just happened spur of the moment. But the murder of Austin Peebo. Next resolution, Kamisha Hollis. You might remember that Kamisha was in a relationship. She had children with this children with this guy who seemed like a big loser, dare I say. And she was the one working. She was the one supporting the family. And she would go to her job. And the way he was is that she would – he would quote-unquote make her – uh, keep the video of her, like live stream her at work so he could keep an eye on her. That came out in the interview uh, that I did for that episode. And Kamisha goes missing, and it's seen on video that this guy was with Kamisha's car, technically her car, and. Um, cleaning it out and taking stuff out of it like right after she went missing. And I think that the police even encountered him. Did he try to get away? Did he try to run away? Maybe they caught him, something like that. Well, he finally um, was convicted or did he plead guilty to um, the disappearance of Kamisha? But you should know she's still missing. She has not been found. You might remember if this is not ringing a bell, I, I, what I said at the time was that I think it was Kamisha's sister who was the guest that certainly could believe that this guy murdered Kamisha but didn't seem like there was a, a ton of evidence. Kind of felt like a list attorney all over again. Well, what ended up happening maybe a month or two after the episode came out district attorney's office came out with a lot more information and I was like, oh, so this is why they're bringing charges against this guy. Makes all sense, all the sense in the world now. They had video of him just – they had everything but uh, something showing him actually killing Kamisha, but he certainly did do that. Sounded like uh, a real weirdo, bad guy, and how do these women get caught up? with these men I don't know but he's in jail she's still missing will, will she ever be found oh, maybe by luck of course I'm hoping for that but I don't know how you would logically now in 23 2023 get to the idea of where she is it seems like this is going to be a struggle of luck for example if she's out in the woods deer hunters come across some remains or something like that but that is the resolution to Kamisha Hollis, although we're only about 75% there. Next resolution, kind of like Kamisha Hollis's, is Tiffany Johnson's. Might remember that Tiffany was trying to get out of a relationship with a guy. He came over to her apartment complex. They were arguing, and this was all being watched by Tiffany's brother. He kind of like up on the second or third floor. They're down on the... In the on a sidewalk or something, arguing. Then the two of them, he, I, I think maybe the brother went back inside for a moment, came back out. He didn't see them. It's like, where did the two go? He goes down there. It was only a minute, a couple minutes at the most. 
goes down there, goes around the corner, and he sees the the guy, Tiffany's ex, driving off. But Tiffany isn't anywhere. Right away, calls 911. Police uh, track this guy down only an hour and a half later. He comes back to the apartment complex. I guess he voluntarily comes back to the apartment complex. They look at the car and everything. Of course, Tiffany's not in there. And eventually they charge this guy with kidnapping and he was found guilty and he is now in jail. Tiffany is still missing. So somehow in just an hour and a half, he was able to get rid of Tiffany's body to the point that for all these years they've been searching for and can't and haven't found her. Even on top of that, they have the phone pings from where this guy went during that time. Although there might be a little spot where he might have turned his phone off, but it's an hour and a half, and for most of it, they know where he was. And she is, uh, they still haven't found her. And I remember looking at maps back at the time. Just don't know. Just, um, it just shows you, they say the first 48 hours, that is a cliché. That is just for marketing reasons. That is just what entertainment production companies use as a marketing tool. The The truth, it's, it's not the first 48 hours. It's the first four seconds. This just shows you, hour and a half. In fact, the, the brother knew right away something wasn't right. Knew it right away. This guy was tracked down an hour and a half later. Tiffany is still missing. Frustrating, frustrating, but at least he's in jail. Next resolution, Tyler North. Remember that Tyler was at his sister's. He was secretly texting with his ex, went to meet her at a local park that night. And we now know that the ex had lured Tyler there, and she, the ex-wife, along with her boyfriend, were waiting there, and they killed Tyler for some reason. And that's kind of an important part that maybe sometimes I forget when I've been talking about Tyler's murder recently. It's still hard to understand right at this second why. Could be just because they're bad people, certainly, but I'm going to guess there's probably a little more to it. But his remains were eventually found. His truck was found burned out. Another person has been charged, although I do not believe that this person was there that night. This person might have helped uh, the ex-wife and her boyfriend get rid of Tyler's body or something. So there are actually three people who are going to be going on trial. Uh, it's supposed to happen this November. Of 2023. So that is the resolution and is one of those that I don't think, although some of these others were certainly surprises, this is the opposite. In fact, this is one of the most, probably the most predictable ones uh, that that exist in Unfound's catalog, given what was um, covered in that episode. 
But uh, speaking of surprises or uh, non-surprises, this is certainly a surprise. Patrick Reed. You might remember Patrick, kind of a drifter, didn't have really a a solid anchor uh, anywhere. His family cared about him. He communicated with them, but just did not have a very – very established uh, situation anywhere. And you might remember that the story was that he was with this bunch of people and this one guy decided he wanted to go to Florida and Patrick said, I'll go with you. Patrick was never seen again. Remember that. And his sister was the guest and she went talk to talk to these people and they didn't have anything to say. And the guy that uh, went with Patrick uh, didn't have anything to say. and Maybe he died. Patrick might have been homeless at one time. Just very, very difficult to say. It was, it turned out, after the episode came out, that it was established that Patrick was still alive. This is the first one in which uh, we covered a disappearance where that missing person actually ended up being alive. We have, we have three of those now, by the way. But Patrick, it turned out, seemed like, Nothing – maybe he never did go to Florida on this trip from Texas. But he ended up at this woman's house, and there were pictures taken of him that were on her page on Facebook well after the disappearance date. You could tell that he was like older in the pictures than he would have been at the time of his disappearance. Now, what's going on with Patrick Reed now in 2023? I don't know. He may be deceased now. I don't know, and I haven't talked – I haven't spoken to his sister, the guest, uh, for that episode in a while. But he ended up being alive. And uh, I can't remember. Did somebody point this out after the episode came out, point this woman's uh, account out or something? I don't remember. But Patrick Reed, still alive at least a few years ago. Next resolution, Robbie Hurt. To set uh, this one all off, uh, set this one up, I should say, he had a drug problem. He was home with his wife and kids. He drove off. He ended up at this guy's house. Later, the guy said that, yeah, he overdosed here and I had to bring him back to life with Narcan. And he took off in his truck and I never saw him again. I have to admit at the time that I thought that that story was dubious, uh, but Robbie's truck was found maybe a mile, mile and a half away from where this guy lived. I thought it was possible that the guy just did something. He covered it up and dumped Robbie's truck there, and we have to remember right as this was all going on, a storm, snowstorm was coming in. Well, what eventually happened was Robbie's remains were found really not that far from the truck, and what happened is some road workers clearing brush away from the side of the road, maybe clearing brush away from road signs, something like that. And they found remains that ended up being Robbie, Robbie Hurt. Do I think that there's still a foul play or cover-up overdose angle to this? I do. Uh, I'm not uh, holding out hope that we'll ever truly, truly, fully, surely know But my perception is that most people 
seemed very comfortable with the idea that Robbie took off. He, he overdosed again, and this time there was no uh, one there to save him. I still remember the think tank for this episode, and I was amazed how many people really thought that the story that the guy told was true, that, yeah, he really did bring Robbie back to life, and Robbie really did take off all on his own. This is not a story that I really subscribed to at the time. Maybe I still don't. But more people than I would have thought really believed that. Uh, And, of course, we were talking about it at a time before Robbie was found. So it seems that where the truck was found, where Robbie was found, does play into the idea that, yep, Robbie did take off all all on his own. But somebody surely could have made it look like that. But it's resolved. Robbie was found. And everybody has gone on with their lives. And I don't think anybody is looking into any of this at all now here in 2023. Next resolution. Unique Harris. To set this one up, she was at home uh, with her two kids and babysitting another child. And uh, we had we talked about how she was talking to her boyfriend who was a few hours away or something. And somehow she went missing. The kids woke up the next morning, one of them walking around in there trying to figure out, hey, where's my mother? And she wasn't there. And uh, never to be seen again. And Unique's mother was the guest. And we now know that uh, well, she held back on a few pieces of vital information during that interview. This doesn't happen very often, but it's certainly obvious in this one that there were signs that something had gone on inside the uh, that apartment, a unique apartment. And this was from Washington, D.C., the only disappearance we've covered, by the way, in the District of Columbia in the United States. And if you don't know, uh, for all foreigners, uh, District of Columbia is where our capital is. The capital of the United States is actually not in a state. That's the way it got set up by the founding fathers of the United States. The capital of the the country is actually in a special designated spot that is not part of any state. It's called the District of Columbia, if you didn't know that. Anyway, so when you hear Washington, D.C., It's a city within this little district of Columbia, which is not a state. Anyway, um, what eventually came out in Unique's uh, disappearance, even though her mother did hold back on a few things, it's fairly obvious obvious that something went on here. And given that she was talking to the man in her life that night – Was he really where he said he was? Was he much closer? Did he come over? I think that was a popular idea. Did she walk out? Did she go downstairs, go outside for a few minutes, and somebody come by and abduct her? Well, now what we know is that she was friends with this guy named Isaac Moy, M-O-Y-E, and he was convicted of her murder earlier this year, although Unique is still missing. And the story is that after those kids went to bed, somehow Unique and Isaac knew each other. I still don't know how they knew each other. But 
And he was – the way I remember it, he was quite a bit older than Unique. We have to remember this disappearance I think happened in 2010, 2011. So it's been some time now. And he came over to do I think adult things. But here she ended up talking – as we have these records, she ended up talking to this other guy in her life at the same time. This ticked Isaac off. She gets off the phone. Isaac kills her and, and causes her disappearance. And even though they have pinging from his phone from that night of where he went immediately after, Unique has still not been found. So, but he was convicted uh, earlier this year. He's going to be in jail for a long time, if not the rest of his life. But Unique is still missing. And I should say, given that they have these pings and everything, I, I'm hopeful one of these days that they do find her remains. Oh, you know, somebody is in that area. Unlike, you know, unlike maybe some other disappearances like Alyssa Turney, where she really could be anywhere. So that is uh, the resolution for Unique Harris's disappearance. Although once again, her remains are still missing. Next resolution, Noah Davis. It's kind of a, you know, Noah Davis's disappearance had a life of its own well before Unfound uh, covered it. And it kind of started over on the Vanished podcast where Marissa had covered this disappearance and it caused, I think, a lot of problems for her. Um, dare I say, that's what I've been told. And I, once again, I've never spoken to Marissa, no emails, nothing. You know, I, but I know some of you do listen to the podcast, but I remember when the Vanish covered this disappearance and it was maybe a couple years before I did that some of the things mentioned, a lot of people not happy and a lot of, a lot of drama that did not happen with Unfound's coverage for whatever reason, but so it had a life of its own, of its own, and then this is a disappearance. I think we covered in maybe 2020, and uh, Noah's Noah's other brother was the guest. Whereas Marissa and you should know John Lorden was uh, got involved in Noah Davis's disappearance. He did uh, some coverage as well, but they interviewed the shady brother. I interviewed the non-shady brother. That's just the way it is. I'm not criticizing them, I guess. But um, you remember Noah had uh, some drug problems. Family wanted him to go to rehab the day that he was supposed to go. His father shows up to pick him up. Noah's not there. And it's obvious that Noah didn't want to go. He wanted to continue to get high and everything. And so he was like hiding out. And somewhere within all of this hiding out, one night he ends up with this uh, girl, I don't think it was a girlfriend or anything, but he ends up at with this woman at an uncle's or great uncle's or her uncle's or something like that, the three of them. And their story was that, yeah, they were getting high and doing whatever, and Noah just walked off. He said he was going to walk back to where uh, his mother lived, you know, so he was still hiding out or something. But he was headed in that direction, and he never made it there. He was never seen again. The problem was that in the days and weeks after that, 
there were sightings, alleged sightings, of Noah. And somehow he goes missing in early July, late July or early August of that year. And the main suspect, some people wanted to believe, was the shady brother who John and Marissa got to know. But he had been in jail till August 10th, till August 10th or 11th. So how could he cause Noah's disappearance if Noah went missing around July 29th or whatever the date was? It was a little hard for me to understand. Well, now we know why it was hard to understand because eventually – there was a bone that was found by accident. This is also going back to like Crystal Morrison's disappearance, Robbie Hurt's disappearance, where road workers doing their thing in Fernoa, they came across a bone, was finally identified, I think, in 2021 maybe as being Noah's. And it was pretty much as the people explained. He left here. He was going that direction, and it was on that route through the woods or whatever, you know, and I, I maybe did a map analysis back of this at the time, but it was nothing out of the ordinary. Now I will tell you that I think Noah's family still thinks that he was murdered. I do not, but that was how it was got, uh, was resolved. And it, it seems that, uh, the bone had been in the possession for a while. And then finally DNA sorted it all out. I, I think that's how it, it, it was finally identified in 2021, but I think that they had this bone from a few years before that. They had it in their possession surely before I ever covered Noah's disappearance. But Noah's is a perfect example of how these wit eyewitness stories and can just get so out of control. And it was very fortunate to me that I was able to talk to a couple people who have cleaned their lives up since then, who were around Noah, to say, oh, yeah, it was a crazy time. I don't know if you can believe anything we were saying back then. We were just so on drugs and this, and they could admit to it. And I, and I was happy to talk to them. I'm very happy that they've been able to get a, a control of their lives, get sober, and they can look back at that and admit, man, it was just, yeah, it was crazy. And that's what really, among other things, led me to believe that just a lot of things these people – some people had said just aren't true. All these sightings after that particular night where he walked off just cannot be verified. People they are staying up for days at a time. They can't keep day, track of dates and days of the week, nothing. How can we believe anything these people say? And I think I ended up being right on that. So Noah Davis resolved – but I'm still pretty sure they only found one bone, but we have to remember how long it was out there and animals are going to come along. And as I stated earlier in this uh, presentation, animals are going to do what they do. Next disappearance, Kayleen Oling, and this goes uh, kind of to my area of the United States, Pittsburgh, uh, the Pittsburgh area. If you'll remember, her father was the guest and Kayleen was in a situation where she had been in a relationship with this much older guy, and he had gotten her pregnant, and uh, seemingly on this night she was going to meet him, walked out of the house, going down the street, and was never seen again. And there was never, there's never been a lot of 
doubt what went on here. And uh, there was a particular idea that Kayleen's father had about where Kayleen would be because he also believed that she had been murdered and where this guy lived at the time and where his phone pinged and everything. And eventually Kayleen's remains were found. They were found, was it earlier this year or late last year, in the Pittsburgh area. But I wouldn't say close to where her father thought they were, but they were over a bridge and a, and a couple miles away. He was thinking they were like to the north of the Allegheny River, whereas it turned out they were to the south of the Allegheny River. And they were found by accident. Uh, what made it kind of weird is that the the people who found her were allegedly hunters. So people – and we know hunters do come across mis, missing persons' remains. I mean that happens. But this was in a city area. So what exactly were they hunting for in the Pittsburgh area proper? There was certainly like some woods and everything. Were they going out to shoot squirrels or chipmunks or something? I don't know. I looked at it on a map, and as soon as I looked at it, I was like, well, that were these people really like homeless people who were just saying they were hunters or something? It's still a big question, but the remains were found just off of kind of near a, a very busy road in the Pittsburgh area, but there are woods there, and they were identified as being Kayleen's, and, and uh, if you might remember back at the time when this all happened uh, – her father uh, made some videos, just excruciating videos, just, just very, it's very, very sad, uh, very sad. But uh, to my knowledge, nobody has yet been charged with her death. Now you should know where her remains were found. We're nowhere near where she lived or where she was last seen, or people you can trust who didn't have anything to do with this or her disappearance saw her. So I am inclined to believe that she was murdered. I am inclined to believe that this guy, uh, that the the family suspected all this time, Kayleen's family suspected all this time, did it. But at this time, uh, recording this on August 30th, 2023, I don't think that guy or anybody else has been charged with anything. And it very well may be because the remains are out there. They start to deteriorate, and it starts to be hard to tell how the person died. But that's how that one got resolved. Will they ever be charged? Will anybody ever be charged for anything? I really don't know. Hard to predict right now. But that was the resolution to the disappearance of Kayleen Oling. Not, unfortunately, much of a surprise. Maybe where she ended up being found, a little bit of a surprise. But other than that, not much of a surprise. Next... Uh, this is what we would call full resolution. Ashley Simpson, this is a Canadian disappearance. Remember, uh, she was really f from the Ontario province of Ontario in Canada, but she was working out in British Columbia. Salmon Arm, her father was also out there working. And her mother works on a cargo ship. Uh, believe it or not, one of these ships that travels the Great Lakes and St. Lawrence Seaway, it's very, I, I don't know, I think she's like a cook or something, but, um, and her mother was the guest, and Ashley was out there in Western Canada working in, in a place called Salmon Arm, Canada has like 
the coolest names uh, for places. Salmon arm, like the fish salmon and then arm, two words. And she met this guy and seemed to get along just fine. And then she went missing and the guy didn't, as oftentimes we we find out, uh, the guy doesn't have that solid of a story. And but eventually what happened after this episode came out, Ashley's disappearance, something went on. I'm not sure if her remains were found by accident or there was a search and they were found and then they went to the guy and he confessed. Uh, I'm not sure about all of that, but eventually he was charged with her with her disappearance and her death. And I think he's already been convicted up there in Canada. This happened all within the last two years. I think this uh, has been two years ongoing now. So I, you know, the way I'm thinking about it, the episode came out and it wasn't, it was less than a year after the episode came out that all of this transpired. Her remains were found. He was charged. I just ran into the wrong guy. I mean, you go to Western uh, Canada for work. And you're working with your father, and then you're up there by yourself. What are the odds that she runs into a guy that would have the capacity to kill somebody? But that uh, was uh, the resolution to this. Uh, As I've said many times so far in this presentation, uh, very sad. Next... Resolution, and this is one of the newest ones. Jordan Carvalho, you may remember this Jordan um, living in Golden Valley, Arizona, which is up in northeast or northwest Arizona, very close to Nevada, where Nevada, California, Arizona all come together. And I've been through Golden Valley many times uh, back in the day. What I remember most about it is it's just this very, very straight, straight road. As you're going from like Kingman, which of course where Tyler Stice went missing, from Kingman, then you go into Golden Valley, and there's this very straight road that you take down toward Laughlin, Nevada. And although this is in Arizona, Laughlin's technically on the other side of the uh, Colorado River, but – um, and Bullhead City is is Arizona. They're across Bullhead City and Laughlin, Nevada, are across the river from each other. Uh, but there's just this really straight road, and way off in the distance, you can see how this road's going to go up into these mountains. Just brings back memories uh, from work I had that would take me down that way. And he just walked off one day with an, a backpack, and the backpack was originally uh, was eventually found, but Jordan was still missing. And just this summer, uh, it was remains had been found, I think, last year in September of 2022. And then this summer of 2023, they were identified as being Jordans. Somewhere, it says, in the Golden Valley area. It says in some sort of wash or something. Uh, they never do or have given a, an exact location where I could look at where he was living and where he was found and try to make sense of it and then coordinate that with where the backpack was found. Just can't do that because they just aren't that exact in the news accounts. And I've not spoken to anybody in his family since this all came out. But uh, given that he had drug issues and things, I I guess that that's mainly where we're going to go. 
uh, in that direction. Could it be the elements? Could be. Uh, was he out there just walking around and a storm kicked up and one of these washes became a, a, a river like often happens? That's certainly possible too. It doesn't necessarily have to be uh, addiction-related or, or um, foul play. It could be just an accident because this happens. I was just reading a disappearance within the last two days. A very uh, a skilled hiker went out somewhere. And she did not come back, and they found her remains, and it does seem that she got caught up in sort of some sort of flash flood. Because you have to remember, out there in the desert, it does rain once in a while, and there are no rivers or anything, so the land becomes the river. And that's how if you don't know what to do, and you don't suspect it, and you haven't looked at the weather reports of what's coming – this is how I, what what happens. You get just all of a sudden you're on, walking on dry, uh, dry trail. Everything seems fine, and then all of a sudden it's raining, and that trail becomes a river several feet deep, and it'll just wash you away. And it's not so much the depth of the water; it's the speed of it, not being able to control yourself. All it takes is you bouncing off one tree, and that's it. You're dead. So that might have been what happened uh, with Jordan. I just don't know if they'll ever be able to tell. But uh, Golden Valley, Arizona, and like I said, I think this is the newest uh, resolution to a disappearance uh, for Unfound. Next resolution, Daniel Villarreal. Uh, I think many of you already know about this one. I, I've, I've talked about it, of course, in the update episodes or not this most recent one. Was this the one for, was that in April that I talked about this or back in uh, December of 2022? I can't remember, but I think it should probably stick out to you given what the resolution was to remind you that Daniel, um, was with a, a girlfriend, a woman in his life. They were out. Got into one car wreck. They drove away from that one. Daniel's driving, gets into another car wreck, and then he drives off. He runs off, I should say. The car is stuck. I don't know if it's disabled or something. He decides to run off. He runs into this community, and somebody said they saw him jump over this wall to go down into this uh, cement river, uh, kind of one of these four cities like Las Vegas or Phoenix that they actually build rivers, uh, having just spoken about this with Jordan Carvalho, how to direct the water around these cities that are in deserts, and they create these viaducts and everything. Well, he jumped over these one of these walls into one of these viaducts that are usually dry unless it's raining, and he was never seen again. Big mystery as to what happened to him. His mother was very uh, paranoid, thinking people were watching her house. Could that have something to do with Daniel's disappearance? To this day, I don't know what to make of any of that. But uh, eventually, it's a very strange, unique, rare, pick a word like that, for his resolution. But what happened was, just within the last year, there was a house uh, in the area of where the, the second wreck occurred that an older woman, woman lived there. And she had like a casita, or did she have like a... A pool house. He had a pool or a ha- with maybe a, a little shed or a bathroom back there or something, and it was in 
hadn't been used for a while. And so she asked her son to come over here. Hey, what can you do? It's, you know, all these years, maybe you want to get rid of this. What do we want to do? And he went back to this little building that had a bathroom in it. He couldn't open it. It was locked. Couldn't figure out what's going on here. Why is it locked? It didn't seem like the mother had a key or something. So he had to take the door off the hinges when that happened. There was Daniel Villarreal inside of it. I guess he'd locked the door from the inside, and he had died right there. Why did he die? Was he on drugs at the time of uh, the wreck, and did he go over there, and that's where he overdosed, and finally the drugs overtook him? It's possible. Did he sustain some sort of injury in that second car wreck or even the first car wreck, a head injury that finally overtook him? I call it the Natasha Richardson effect. Could it be just the elements? He really was in his right mind or anything, and he thought the police would be after him, which they were. And he saw this in his backyard. It said, I'll hide in here. And uh, the elements killed him, the the heat. That's possible, too. I don't know if we'll ever know. Uh, But I do not think that he was murdered. So that is the resolution to the disappearance of Daniel Villarreal. Not something that I could have ever predicted could maybe look back at like Esther Westenbarger and say with a little more uh, experience I could have predicted uh, that but with Daniel Villarreal no way could predict that he would be found in somebody's outhouse in the back of their yard in their backyard in a very urban area like Glendale or Phoenix Arizona I mean who can predict that nobody Next resolution, and we're now getting into episodes that came out in 2023. Matthew Braswell, you might remember uh, from very earlier this year, February, I think it was. Matthew and a criminal buddy were out stealing from mailboxes. Somebody saw them. They decided to get out of the area. I think it might have been raining that day. The guy driving lost control of the truck. Went off the road, it rolled over, big bad crash. Both of them attempted to run away from the area. The driver was not successful. In fact, he'd sustained some major injuries. He did survive, though. Uh, But Matthew was not found. Somehow he managed to get away. And there was an idea maybe he would try to make it back to where he was living with somebody could he have gotten somewhere and somebody could have killed him? These are ideas I think that people throw around. But eventually, um, after the episode came out, and not long after, we had the, in fact, the next four I'm going to be talking about, the resolutions happened very quickly after the, the uh, episodes came out. For some reason, I've stated, may, uh, maybe had something to do with a, at least a couple of these. I've, of course, I'm hoping that. But, a uh, person walking their dog in the general area of where this truck wreck was with uh, Matthew came across a bone that led to another bone. And then I think there might have been some bones that were found in a tree. And uh, police got called and they collected a bunch of bones. And it was uh, they were tested, DNA or me- medical records or dental records. And they were established that, yes... They were the remains of Matthew Braswell. 
So I, I got this one right. I had to believe that he ran off, had injuries or something worse than he realized. And this does happen. I mean, this is not unusual. You think, well, you know, why don't people just die right there on the spot? Um, you watch, if you watch enough shootings, like cops and robbers on YouTube, there are many videos like that, just video cameras, just security cams of shootouts. Look at how many people get shot who end up dying but still are able to run away. Now, yes, a lot of these where the bullet hits, if it hits the spine or the heart or the head, dead that second. But bullets hit other areas and you don't die quite as quickly. And I'm not saying Matthew was shot. That's not my point. What I'm saying is the body can sustain many different kinds of injuries and keep working for quite a while before the injuries become too much. And it doesn't always have to necessarily do with your with a head injury either. Certainly could have been the situation with Matthew Braswell, but we might be open to different ideas. Did he have internal bleeding? If he, of course, probably was not wearing a seatbelt, but did he, uh, you know, rupture a lung or a spleen or bleeding from his liver, or internal bleeding, and stuff? That won't kill you right away, but it eventually will. So. Now, why were some of these bones in a tree? It very well could be that he thought people were going to be after him. I'll climb up into this tree and they won't see me. And then that's where he died. He just conked out, you know, perched on a limb. Certainly possible. So that is the resolution to Matthew Braswell. Certainly do not believe that any foul play was involved. In fact, I think this is... It's probably a more common type of disappearance than we realize. It's just a lot of times the remains aren't found. Next resolution, Brandon Roberts from Portland, Oregon. His mother was the guest. Remember that uh, on the day of his disappearance, Brandon was supposed to talk on the phone with his son who lived in Ohio, and it was um, Brandon's mother who was arranging all of it. Well, at the required time, Brandon didn't call, and when they called him, some guy picked up the phone. Maybe this is all coming back to you now. And the guy said, yeah, the reason I have the phone is some woman I just gave me this phone. I gave her 20. She needed 20 bucks, and then she gave me this phone, and she never came back, and that's why I have this, why I have this phone. You all remember that now. Brandon had some drug issues, had been clean for a while, but maybe had relapsed. He was trying to help homeless people out in Portland, and we know a lot of things have been going on in Portland over the years. Not here to get into all of that. But I think everybody pretty much, not everybody, but a lot of people thought, well, you start hearing about drugs, and you start hearing about somebody else having a phone, thinking, what are the odds that Brandon is still alive? Probably not very high. The odds are not very good that he's still alive. Well, guess what? He didn't end up being alive. And just weeks after that episode came out, his mother got a call from Oregon stating that there was a Brandon Roberts who uh, had been burned very badly. And I still don't know how he got burned. His mother, of course, let me know about this, but I don't know all the particulars even of now as of uh, August of 2023. But he got burned, got taken to the hospital, and they were finally able to identify him. I don't know if he had ID on him 
or if he gave them his name and they were able to track down his mother, he said, you know what, you better call my mother. I don't know. But uh, his mother got called and uh, I don't know what kind of shape. I know Brandon is still alive. I don't know how bad his burns were. We know burns can be. Oh, you know, so tough. You just don't realize your skin does so much to protect uh, the rest of the body from disease and bacteria and viruses and everything else. This is it's why with this is really what happens with burn victims that they become so susceptible to anything that's out there. Any sort of bact- anything little microscopic thing flying around, they become so susceptible to it. Uh, but I, I, I'm inclined to believe he's still alive now. I don't know what he looks like. I don't know what percentage of his body was burned or anything, but he ended up being alive. And that, that is great news and that he got to uh, reconnect with his family. I, I got the idea that he can't communicate from his mother. And I'm still very open to the idea of talking to Brandon one of these days. Uh, just to explain uh, where he was that whole time, and it might help us understand these types of disappearances better. But that is the resolution to the disappearance of Brandon Roberts. Next resolution, Bowman. As I stated just a couple minutes ago, it's another one where the episode came out and got resolved not too long after that. Um, Matthew Brazel, Brandon Roberts, Bowman, all from earlier this year. And the next one, Alan Glasgow, same thing. Bowman, uh, this is a disappearance that was a little well-known, but it seemed like it got much more well-known after his remains were found in April of 2023. There had been a lot of coverage of his disappearance, but it seems like it really exploded after the remains were found. I'll get into the second. But uh, I'm sure this disappearance is very fresh in your minds given that, um, of course, I got to speak, talk about it in the most recent update episode. And this is a episode from not that long ago. But Bo Manny ran this app called Social Grid, trying to help people stay sober. He had had sobriety problems. He had been mixed up with drugs and everything. And he was in L.A. living in the Santa Monica area. And on that day, he took a, co- a combination of Lyft and Uber rides. And I think people looking at this, there's something going on here. He, you know, he went to this massage place, but he didn't get picked up at the massage place. Got picked up at... A block away or something. Did he not want people to know that he was? I, I, don't, I don't know. But we now know that the last address that he put in was for a Santa Monica address, not his own, to uh, a residence where a Joanna Good lived. And the Uber driver was, of course, then Bo goes missing. The Uber, Uber driver was tracked down and says, I don't know what to tell you. I dropped him off, but still... A lot of people were suspicious of this guy. I think a lot of people are still suspicious of this guy. And Joanna Good was, uh, you know, confronted regarding all this. She said she didn't know Bo. And um, as I as I revealed in the update episode, they even went to the lengths of putting cameras on Joanna's property without her permission. <clears throat> Never did catch anything. 
never did uh, recording video, audio, never caught anything. And so it was a big mystery. How does a guy who gets dropped off at this particular address, the woman says she doesn't know Bo, what are we supposed to think about this? Even though it would seem the two knew, would know each other, she was a huge addict. And, uh, and to remind all of you, Joanna Good was somebody at one point. Uh, she was on an episode of uh, Married with Children, the one where uh, Kelly is doing advertising for the, the car, the Cadillac Alante. Remember that? Well, Joanna Good was one of the um, com- competitors competing models in that episode against Kelly Blundy, of course, played by Christina Applegate. And de- can I just say what Christina Applegate has gone through in the last several years? It's just very, very, once again, very sad between breast cancer and, and multiple sclerosis and everything. It's just very sad. She's, you, know, it's, you know, it's weird, the character she played on Married with Children and who she is in real life, like totally opposite. Fantastic person. It's just so sad. Anyway, Joanna Good was an actress in that particular episode, and you just you see her in there, and it's just like you you know that what she is destined for, and maybe she was already into drugs at the time. I don't know, but you just think, oh, what a shame. But that's who Joanna Good was, and but she became a huge addict. Um, who knows what she was doing? Just, to keep this up, but she had an education. She had gone to school, but she'd really been struggling. And so it did make sense that this would be the type of person that Bo would know. All given all that. Uh, and after the episode came out, I did talk to a woman who claims that she did see Bo and Joanna together at Joanna's place. I don't know what to make of that. But shockingly, in late April of 2023, by accident, somebody came across Bo's remains just a quarter mile away, half mile away from where uh, he got dropped off of the Uber outside, you know, on the street where Joanna Good lived. No proof that he ever went to Joanna's. But if you were to take the alleyway right beside Joanna's, you could walk that alley right down to the spot where uh, Bo was found. Corner decided that Bo had been there the entire time. He, it was like in an, an abandoned building courtyard, so it was outside, but it was sheltered from like the street kind of, and it had been impounded, and there was a fence around it, and it seemed like homeless people were living there. And it seems also that people had seen Bo's re- a body there and didn't do anything about it for a while. But the coroner decided the, the the remains the way they were looked like they had really been outside that entire time since he went missing in in uh, December of what was it, 2021. So like a year and a half roughly. And through, um, I don't think it was DNA, but medical records or something, they was found in late April, identified in early May of 2023. I think everybody's shocked. There was a lot of canvassing of that area. A lot of people, his friends, going from door to door, block to block, putting up flyers, you know, questioning people and everything. And just when you didn't think uh, a person could disappear in an urban area like that right out under everybody's nose, I guess that is possible. 
And this is something I think that we have to remember for the future. I guess it's kind of even like Daniel Villarreal's disappearance, but maybe even more extreme. Maybe even even stranger than that. Um, there was, uh, to my understanding, no bullet holes, no stabbings, no sign of a strangulation, nothing like that to believe that it was foul play. So I don't know if we will ever will understand why he typed 911 on that uh, on Uber that day and what was going through all of that. But I think the general inclination is that, yes, Bo did relapse and he was going through something that day. And maybe he when he went down that alley and where he was going, maybe he didn't realize where he was going. And he just collapsed right there. Should know, though, his backpack's gone, computers, everything gone, which maybe shouldn't surprise us at all. If it was left out with him in the street somewhere, people are going to take that stuff. So that's the resolution to Bowman. And I pretty much think that's probably uh, the end of it, that this is 100% resolved for Bowman. Just let's, we don't want to forget any of these people, of course, but we have to remember really what went on in this disappearance. I think that we will be referencing it again. And finally, this is the last one. This is number 27, Alan Glasgow. This is the fourth of these this year where the episode came out and then within weeks, big news. Uh, for Alan Glasgow, I probably – and I don't try to make de- value judgments like this, but Alan Glasgow seemed like one of the worst people we've covered on Unfound. You know I don't care. Give it my, I give it my best every Friday. But uh, we now know, uh, you remember, kind of uh, got out of touch with everybody. He was living with two women. He was working at this gas station with them. And then he went missing, couldn't be reached. And they said, they kind of gave the idea that he didn't want to be, they didn't want anybody to find him anyway. Could they have done something to him? Well, we now know that Alan Glasgow is alive. And he kind of just took off because... He just doesn't want any responsibilities in life. He has a child. He doesn't want to be responsible for that. Uh, that child that he has, um, of course, the mother of their child was the guest. I thought she did a fantastic job. And he just went off the grid because he just doesn't want to be bothered with anybody. Now, how that was all figured out, I don't know. But um, this is what the guest told me. And, of course, she's really upset about that. So he ended up being alive. So that's the third missing person we've covered on Unfound who has been proven to be alive. Patrick Reed, Brandon Roberts, and now Alan Glasgow. And uh, you know, very well maybe with Alan that because of the episode, maybe somebody – oh, I heard about this. Hey, I just saw Alan, and that could be. I really don't know. But of these last four that I've, that I've gone through – it's amazing that right after each of them came out, it had you know resolutions to them, and I'd like to think Unfeld, Unfound helped with that. As I told you before this list started, there would be a disappearance that got resolved after I made this recording back in August of 2023, so uh, about two and a half months ago. 
And that disappearance is of Dennis J. Lushball. This is a disappearance that got resolved within the past month in Kansas. And what had happened was earlier this year in 2023, much like, I guess, going back to the Tom Brown disappearance where Pine Gregory uh, found his remains while looking for deer antlers or he was doing something regarding hunting out there. Uh, this is how Jay's remains were found as well. Uh, somebody was out there looking for deer antlers or doing something involving deer hunting, not hunting, but preparing or something like that, and came across remains. They were proven to be human. And then through DNA testing, they were proven to be J's. And to go back uh, to what the circumstances were of J's disappearance, he and his girlfriend had gotten into an argument. He had dropped her off somewhere. He stormed off in his van, never to be seen again. And uh, at least, you know, looking back at that interview now from a few years ago, um, there was maybe the idea that there was foul play here, that that's not actually what happened. But you should know uh, that the remains of Jay were found not far from where his van was found back at the time. And there is no evidence of foul play, which is no surprise to me. Why his remains weren't found back at the time, I I could write uh, a very, very long book on why I believe searches are not successful first times, second times, third times, fourth, fourth times. And probably at the end, I would conclude that I'm still not sure. But this is another one of those where a car is abandoned, a search of the area is done. Nothing is found. Somebody, I'm guessing probably that the person who found Jay's remains didn't even know Jay was missing. And then somebody comes along who doesn't even know about the disappearance and happens upon the remains, doesn't know that the van was originally found in the area, nothing. Just a person minding his or her own business out there finds the remains, whereas people who were actually looking for Jay, looking the area, knew the circumstances, knew where his van was, on and on and on, can't find him. Uh, I have no explanation. Uh, I've used my disc golf analogy, but I'm not going to uh, get into that now. So his, uh, Jay's disappearance has been resolved. I am satisfied that there was no foul play. Jay had a lot going on in his life, including uh, a drug addiction. And so I'm going to say that that was probably the cause of it. And those are the 28 disappearances that one way or another got to the point of being fully or somewhat resolved. Yes, I know 28 isn't even 10% of the total. Very sad. However, I think that knowing where we are is a good place to start when we think about where we need to go. So what are the reasons that the percentage isn't higher? Why isn't the resolved rate 15%, 20%, 50%, whatever? The answer is a combination of factors I've detailed on the live show 
on these episodes, in the Patreon blog, in presentations to college students, and to anyone else who will listen. Number one, among the people who are responsible for investigating these disappearances, there is no experience and education. They have nothing to fall back on to guide them, meaning every time they get a call about a disappearance, it's like the first call they've ever gotten. This leads to number two. There's not a lot of passion out there to solve disappearances among law enforcement. It's not like they don't want them to be solved. I'm not going that far. What I'm saying is my perception is they're much more passionate about catching drug dealers or catching rapists and murderers, sex offenders. than they are figuring out what happened to people who go missing. Why? Really, because every crime I just listed is easier to navigate. Why? Because of the education and experience factor that I just mentioned. This leads to number three. I'm not joking around when I say if this were easy, everybody would be doing it. Solving disappearances that go unresolved longer than a month is hard. Seriously, how many disappearances in the list got resolved by luck? Many of them. Moreover, even now that we know what happened, we have a hard time imagining how we would have logically found the missing person given what we knew. And that leads me to number four, the last reason. No matter how much or how little we all know about disappearances, there is the haunting factual knowledge that even if we all live to be 100 years old, there will be disappearances featured on Unfound already that will never be resolved. And if I know that, then the people responsible, law enforcement, knows that. Thus, there is the air of why investigate when there is a high percentage chance that we won't be able to resolve it anyway. Yet people who think like that, and my impression is there are many, get something wrong. The families know this is all difficult. They know resolutions cannot be guaranteed. What they actually want is a great effort. And that is something they seem to only be getting from true crime media right now. My hope is I don't have to wait another seven years to feature 28 somewhat resolved disappearances. Let's hope we can get to that number in a much shorter time. If you'd like to hear and read more of my deeper thoughts regarding what has been covered in this episode, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast and sign up to partake in the unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing about everything covered in this resolved episode up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.